And we are live. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Holy Crap, the vlogcast. Vlogcast comes from a skeptical point of view to answer some of the questions of why. This vlogcast started as a combination of spite and the Streisand effect because we really try hard not to fanboy. And it's really hard sometimes, but, you know, we're going to do our best. Old hat at this. No. Part of this is to follow through with the old adage, sometimes the journey is more important than the destination. I'm your main host. I'm known as Shujin Tribble pretty much everywhere. You can find me under that name, S-H-U-J-I-N. Uh, it's hard to miss me if you can spell even that much. Let me go ahead and introduce you to everybody that we've got. And it's a little bit of a different setup for those of you that are paying attention. Top left-hand corner of the bingo card, North America, just outside of uh, Linden, uh, of Calgary Way. Dallin, good evening. Good evening. Okay. Down and uh, just a little bit to the right into the Midwest of the U.S., Bridget, good evening. Good evening. Continuing on to the right into Ohio, Joey, good morning. Don't don't you insult my intelligence just because I can't spell things as well as you. Really not going to talk about this one right now. I've got a thing. I've got a thing for later. Uh, moving a little bit further to the coastline, uh, Unrenowned Tech, good morning. Thanks for not associating me with that uh, waste of all human resources that is on the other side of me. Yeah, I know. I know. It, it, Much appreciated. I'm trying to be nice about you, it. You've earned brownie points today. Congratulations. Yeah, appreciate that, Grandly. And uh, as some might have noticed, uh, there is a there is a, a a new spot on the video right now on my screen or for your screen, it would be about the equivalent of um, Greg Brady, actually. If you're if you get the reference, congratulations. Yes, we are currently joined by Tracy Harris, who is back again after a a long time not being with us. Welcome back, Tracy. Hey, thanks for having me. No worries. So we were going to be uh, we're going to be joined by uh, who was it? Uh, Ryan. Yeah, yeah, Ryan McKnight. He'll be joining us uh, momentarily. Uh, we tried to get him on. He had uh, his phone uh, audio was feedbacking like crazy. It was it was not going <sighs> that way. You but, know, to be honest, if if I was a more spiritual man, I would have said his phone was possessed. Yeah, you it kind of sounded like it. You know, I'm not wrong. Yes, yeah, that's true enough. Uh, uh -huh. But uh, before we go ahead and uh, get in for everybody, of course, for those of you that are watching live, please feel free to take advantage of the live chat. And uh, yeah, I've got the live chat on the opposite side of the screen on for me uh, again for a change. So Stephanie, Trippin, Felis, welcome down, guys. It's good to have you with us. Uh, I am obligated at this point, which is my usual, that I have to remind everybody that this is an episode that ends in zero. This is one of our Power of Ten episodes, which means this is not safe for work episode because as far as filters are concerned on our faces, we're not even going to bother. So if anything falls out of our faces and you shouldn't be listening to it, you know, now's a good time to go ahead and say, you know what, maybe I'll play this one later. So you've been fucking warned at this point. So whatever. If, if that was bad for you, yeah, it's only going to get worse for the rest of it all. But I will, uh, I will do my best to make sure that everything is uh, taken care of over here. And uh, in honor of our 300th episode, yes, I, I did get some of my wine. So, you know, to all of you, first off, of course, Thank you for being with us. 
Really do appreciate it. It's been a very long ride and, well, let's face it, nobody knew that we were going to end up this long. I think I got. I think a good portion of it's got to do with the fact that um, it's really inexpensive to do this part. <laughs> anyway, boredom goes a long way. Yeah, it does. I've got my starka to toast you, man. Appreciate it. So, well, am. let me uh, let me go ahead and uh, get the star the stuff started because we started a little bit late. It's okay. There's reasons, and it, this happens once in a while. So, with five minutes on the clock. Your five minute freestyle starts right now. Milestones. Oh man. I've 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 used this I've used this line before and it it what can I say? You know, we had no idea that we were gonna be looking at three hundred episodes. Never mind well, okay. I had no idea that we were gonna make it to three hundred episodes. I knew we'd make it to at least one hundred, which is the reason why I had the numbering scheme that I did. I, I made sure that I was looking at it and going, yeah, you know what? Yeah, we'll 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 expect to see, you know, double, triple digits. How far after that? I don't know. I don't want to say that we've surpassed other podcasts that have come along the same time as us. I would like to think that they're on temporary hiatus until they decide that they want to come back to it. I don't think of it as running a race and beating them. I think it's just that we've got the torch for right now while they kind of regroup and do what it is that they do. And if that happens to be not coming back to podcasting, that's okay. We know these people. Professor Stephen, Cash, the guys over at Barroom Atheist, the guys over at um, um, No Religion Required. You know, in in a in a in a weird way, we are kind of family because we all sort of started at the same time, or at the very least, we started because Cash went ahead and nudged us. Me in particular, it's his fault, you know, completely his fault. He told me. And I've, I've talked about this many times before. He told me when I asked him at the first year of doing this, I asked him, what should I do? Should I really just push? Should I really invest? And he's just like, brother, if you knew that you were going to blow 200, 300, $700 on this thing and you knew you weren't going to get that money back. It's just going to be gone. But you were going to end up helping one person. Just one. Would it be worth it? Well, shit, yeah. Then motherfucker, what is stopping you? I may be slightly paraphrasing, but truthfully, only just slightly. And that was the impetus that really got started. After a year of of doing this and and you know trying, no script, just flying by the seat of our pants, just putting together what it is that we thought about things. We've had a lot of things that have happened in those three hundred episodes. You don't really think about it in in the terms of how long it's been. It's it's been a long time. Coming up on six years. 
And what's happened? We're still here. We're still doing our thing. We're still talking about as many topics as what I can come up with. We still have, as far as the atheist part is concerned, nothing new that hasn't been talked about over the last, I don't know, 800 years. But we're still here. That's our job. We don't think of it as a job, but it kind of is. We've already decided for ourselves that the moral good is to share education, to teach. That's what we do. We're not going to be the rabid bulldogs like Heretic Woman was. But we do our part. We do what we do. And that's just to keep a candle out there. The light in the dark. The beacon for those that want to see it. The one to tell people, we're here. We're going to continue to be here. All you got to do is just walk your way over to us. It's safe here. And for those of you that have been with us for even part of this journey, thank you. I'd say hats off to you, but I'm sorry. My blue hat stays on, so long as those red ones are out there. This is my little protest because it's worth it. And for those of you that are listening to the podcast version, what's so special about this blue hat? It doesn't say it, but the message is clear. Fuck cancer. But that's another milestone for another day. As stated, this is episode 300. It's not Greek to me, and I know full well there's some people who get the reference, and and and, and good on you that way, and, and thank you very much. Uh, we are now joined by, there you are, Mr. Ryan McKnight. Good evening to you, sir. Thank you for joining us. Hey, can you hear me? Oh, yes, we yep. can. Okay, We're good. Clear. All right, this is my first time using Discord, so I apologize. No, no worries. It's <laughs> a lot of this has been a real learning experience for us too, so don't worry about it. It's actually kind of fun uh, using it once you get used to it. Yeah, yeah, it does look like a pretty cool interface. So yeah, mm-hmm. the one of the neat features is if you have multiple Discord channels on the left hand side that you end up uh, frequenting, you can change your handle as it appears to others, based on which ch- chat you're in. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, so like I said, to all of you who've been joining us, thank you very much. Like I said, this is this is the wine I love. And Dallin can tell you, it's good stuff. Well, yeah, I, I can I can personally attest to that. Yeah. I had a, um, I had a gentleman. I told him, uh, I gave him a bottle. He's a chemist by, uh, by nature, uh, Dr. Conway. And in his inimitable style, he, I warned him, this stuff goes down like it's grape juice. My good man, he, he told me, you do realize by its very nature, wine is grape juice. Thanks, Sam. I appreciate that. You pain my ass. <laughs> Got it recorded and everything. So let's start off with uh, the first question that I wanted to deal with 
And it's not the fake question. It's it's the real question. <laughs> fake question. I, I told What's the guys off. The, I told the guys off air what the what the the fake question was going to be for Tracy. You were on with episode one hundred. It's now three hundred, two hundred episodes later. Did we really have that bad an impression on you that it took this long to get you back? That was the fake question. <laughs> okay. The real question. The real seriously. Uh, seriously though. The real question that I have for you is to to start everything off with, and and this ignores everything the hell else. It has been two hundred episodes since last we saw you. It's been four years, basically. Are you okay? Yeah, doing really well. <laughs> See, I ask that because, let's face it, over the last couple of years, a lot of weird things have happened. A lot of strange twists in in various different areas, both personal and and uh, political, and it's just been a, a shitstorm for us to try to figure out what in the hell to talk about. Because as you probably full well know, there's been way too much stuff in the news, it has been driving me up a wall trying to figure out what to talk about. So I figured right off the bat, I want to ask you both if you're doing okay. Because oh, thank you. I mean, yeah, I think everybody's stressed <laughs> about the political situation. Um, but yeah, I think I'm doing better than a lot of people. No doubt there. And Mr. McKnight, yes, I'm only going to do that once. <laughs> After this, you're going to be Ryan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Are you please. doing okay? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm doing good. I, I mean, I definitely can I share with you in the, po- the political stress, but uh, I'm, I'm surviving it. <laughs> very, very glad to hear that. So, uh, okay, so let me go ahead and cover the the quick question because it's I knew full well it was going to end up coming up anyway over in the live chat over on uh, over on YouTube. Um, Trippin had gone ahead and asked, uh, basically, wait, is that the Tracy Harris? I'm 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 paraphrasing just a little bit. Um, if we had a board, yes, she would sign in, please. That yes, that is the Tracy Harris. Yes, you that is exactly who you think it is. It's like I said, it's great to have you back. Um when when Tracy was with us, by the way, uh back at uh episode one hundred, we were talking about what it was like trying to get more female voices into the atheist and free thinker community. And uh, you know, we had a we had a good talk. I had just an all female panel, um, including Heretic Woman, which uh, unfortunately, as you probably had heard, you know, she's since passed. Which you know, there's not much of anything to say about that. But um, we had a great discussion. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I am no longer a fanboy type personality anymore. I've I've kind of gotten over that now. But we are still fans. <laughs> yes, very much so. And uh, wanted to uh, wanted to specifically tell you, uh, and then uh, Ryan will we'll kind of move into a whole bunch of other stuff, uh, that we wanted to collectively tell you, Tracy, that we grandly appreciate all the stuff that you've done for trying to help the cause and for being also, like I said earlier, being an educator, being a teacher, by just being you and asking the questions and thank you for being a great, great person to listen to. Well, well, thank you. So seeing as how you are not uh, going to be in an upcoming Marvel movie, what would you like to plug and talk about tonight? 
I am here to talk about Ryan, uh, actually. So I had, um, when I was on Godless Bitches, we interviewed um, Ethan, who is works with Ryan on a project called Truth and Transparency. Um, bef- but at the time, it was uh, it was a different. It was going under a different moniker of uh, Mormon Leaks. And they had just released, uh, I guess, some information, and he came on to talk about a specific case. And what they do is um, release documentation about either financial corruption or um, sometimes uh, sexual abuse cases, things like that, any kind of religiously affiliated bad behavior that is being covered up. Uh, They are an outlet where people can contact them with information so that they can then expose it. So it's a leaks site, basically, um, for religious corruption. And so when Ryan, I mean, sorry, when Ethan was on, he had a really interesting story about how they had published some documents that were very uh, unflattering of, you know, a large church and how the church was trying to shut it down and trying to use all kinds of legal maneuvers to make them take the documents down. Um, And some of the things that had happened were that, uh, for example, people were accusing them of posting fraudulent documents. And so when the church came and told them, we want you to take this stuff down because it's copyrighted material, they basically owned that it was theirs, right? So it was like a, a, a... verification that the documents were actually real Um, but it was the only way they they could think of to try and and make them take it down but they they were able to keep the documents up they did win the case Um, and it was one of the more interesting godless bitches that we did Uh, so Um, if people want to go look that one up it's a great episode because just the the lawsuit itself was so intriguing the way that it that it worked out. Um, but anyway, I didn't, I mean, I saw Ethan now and then because he was in Austin where I am. And then it was a little while ago, he reached out and said, we're looking for people to help support the effort. And we're moving it to this truth and transparency site from Mormon leaks. And so we'd like to go ahead and launch this thing and get some support. And I was like, of course I'd support that. It was a great episode. I really enjoyed meeting you. And it was a very interesting project. Plus, it's really good work. So uh, I met Ryan through Ethan. uh, And they both work on the site. I think this was kind of um, Ryan's baby. And then Ethan stepped in to kind of help him out with some of the document cleanup and things like that. And then they started kind of gearing up together and partnering and teaming up and doing more. And their goal now is to try and expand this thing um, to something a little bit larger because right now there's, it's just two guys kind of stressing themselves out trying to keep up with all the information that they're being fed. And so what they would like to do is devote more time to it, which is going to require more money because if you're going to pull away from your day job to start devoting time to something like this, uh, that's going to require some funding. And that's kind of what's going on right now is that we are basically out there trying to promote for um, donations in order to generate the money to get this to be a larger effort. And that, I think, is sort of 
how I'm involved in sort of reaching out to folks and saying, hey, we'd like to promote. Can you help us out? I can well imagine there is no lack of stuff to go ferreting through. And and you, you forgive me, the way that you were talking about, um, yeah, the only thing that they had viable was uh, copyright claim. I, I could be wrong, but what is the expression shooting your foot with a howitzer come to mind? Uh, it, it was it was in it. Like I say, it's an interesting episode. Um, if folks want to go look that up, just truth and transparency, or I guess it would be Mormon leaks and godless bitches. If you Google for that, it'll probably come up. Yeah, um, we'll uh, we'll see if we can keep a, a running tally over in our chat so that uh, I can I can look up stuff and put links for the for the show afterwards. Um, Ryan, this this sounds to be um, you'll forgive me. A hellacious endeavor. This has got to be just uh, an absolute pain in the ass to have to deal with. You know, it's it's one of the it's kind of an on off, you know, hot and cold situation. Like when we're busy, it's like every extra minute of my week is dedicated to whatever we're working on. But you know, we have gone through drive spells before. Um, but uh, yeah, it is. It takes up a lot of our free time. And um, so far, you know, three and a half years in, we've stayed motivated, but it is hard to when, when we have full-time jobs and, and families on the side. And, and sometimes our, our wives don't appreciate sometimes how much time we spend on these things and without seeing the, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a labor of love. And we, the, one of the things, you know, to, to Tracy's point about, you know, how funding could really change what we do um, we have so many projects in the works that we're going to do, but it's going just to take a very long time to get to all of them because of the lack of funding, because we can't afford to pay people to, to come on and work for us. And because we can't dedicate 40 hours ourselves because we've got to go make a living at the same time and that kind of thing. So, so funding is a big push right now. We've done an okay job since we've started, um, our recent push uh, late last year, but I mean, we're still pretty far away from, from where we need to be. And we're still publishing stories. In the meantime, we got stories that we're working on and a couple of them are really exciting, but, uh, but yeah. Mention, let me just go ahead and mention um, the website is truthandtransparency.org. Uh, and that's just totally spelled out. So truth, a N D transparency.org. Um, and there is a donate button on top. Uh, if you go to the site and you check out some of the articles, if you like what you see and you think it's worth supporting and you'd like to see more of this exposed, um, that's how you can help. And if you can't donate, that's fine. Not everybody has free cash right now. So maybe just sharing out some of the articles or sharing out you know, the site itself. Um, any kind of exposure would probably be helpful at this point. Yeah, and, and we're very radical in, you know, in our own transparency, since that's what we're sort of advocating for in, in religions. And so if any of your listeners go to the website, like what they see, but but maybe want to know a little bit more, they can reach out and Ethan and I are very accessible. And, you know, if they want to know how we spend the money or how we're planning to spend the money, we're, you know, we, we have no problem opening that up to, to people. So don't be strangers. Now I'm trying to figure out what the line item would be for hookers and blow. I don't know where. That would, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm sure it's in there somewhere. It's sure. Probably in a miscellaneous category. Um, what you're describing, though, 
Um, as somebody who grew up, all right, born in Brooklyn, raised on Long Island from yeah. uh, second generation. Yeah. Second generation off the boat, uh, Italian family. Uh, you can probably well imagine Roman Catholic runs in the family because I mean, let's face it, Brooklyn, yeah. New York and the whole thing. I have to imagine that a good portion of the stuff that you've been dealing with probably would be the low-hanging fruit there, no? Yeah, well, up to this point, the the majority of our stories have revolved around Mormon-related issues because Ethan and I both come from Mormonism, and we have had some really deep-cut stuff there. Um, We have, um, when we transitioned, hang on one second. What do you need, buddy? Um, Okay, I'm on the phone. I'll have to do it later. Go ahead. I'm on the phone. Sorry, guys. I got kids going on here. No, real life um, hey, Real life um, happens, parents. <laughs> um, but uh, w- one of the reasons we were transitioning from Mormon leaks to truth and transparency is because we wanted to start doing stories on other religions. And we have had some hard-hitting stories on, like, Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, but we yeah. we haven't, you know, and we get contacted for some other religions as well. We get some stuff that's semi-interesting. But we haven't actually gotten contact by anything in regards to Catholicism. I, I think because um, there's a lot of established uh, reporters out there that have really carved out a niche in covering Catholicism. Yeah. So if you're somebody from Catholicism and you're like, okay, who should I take this to? And you Google, who are you going to get? You're going to get, you know, like the spotlight people or, you know, things like that. Um, not, not that we wouldn't want them to come to us. We would love it, but they're, I don't know that we're on on their radar yet. We're we're definitely on the radar of the Jeho- ex Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, um, and, and then we're trying to sort of expand that that repertoire. We, we've gotten contacted before on some Scientology stuff. Um, none of it's been like anything that we could really report on. But even again, in that case, there's so many reporters out there that have like put got a foothold in reporting on Scientology. Most Scientologists that have something to bring to the table would probably seek somebody else out first. I would guess. Um, I mean, we, we would love that for that to change because I think we've done some really good work um, in in the stories that we've done, and 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 I think every time we've people have given us a chance to sort of prove that we've we can get their story to go national, we have. Um, we've I had mean, several the, stories go national. You, you, yeah, you did the the Van Wagenen one, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that was a big one. Yeah, we we've had uh, we've had probably a good ten stories get national attention. Van Wagenen was probably our biggest one because the guy, um, uh, one of the results of our reporting, uh, this is a guy who we had on tape admitting to molesting a 13 year old boy in 1993. Um, And he, his, his sort of claim to fame, if you will, was that he was the um, co-founder of the Sundance film festival with Robert Redford back in the seventies. And then he, he didn't really go on to have the prominent film career that Redford did, but he had a decent, some decent work, but he, he did do a lot of, uh, he did achieve a lot of note, uh, notoriety in the Mormon circles in Mormon themed films. But anyway, uh, because of our reporting, another victim of his heard the, the tape that we had released and saw our story and <clears throat> went to their parents. They, this was a more recent victim. Whereas the other one, it was past the statute of limitations and everything. And uh, this victim went to their parents and the parents went to the police and he luckily he didn't even fight it. He pled guilty. Uh, he didn't even try to fight it at all. Uh, not to give him too much credit because we went <laughs> we went to his um, sentencing. Ethan and I flew out there 
And we, uh, Ethan live tweeted it. People can go find it. It's pretty interesting. He basically, when it was his turn to sort of say something to the court at, before the judge handed down uh, his uh, sentence. Um, and, and mind you, this is after the victim actually made a statement um, through her sister. Uh, the victim stood there, couldn't, couldn't read it. The victim got up with the intention of reading a statement, but couldn't get through it. And the sister kind of stepped in uh, very moving. Uh, the mother made a very moving statement. And then when it was Van Wagenen's turn, uh, he kind of gave a very uh, non-apology apology, one of those kind of things. Um, and uh, anyway, that was a, a big story that, you know, the New York Times covered that that one actually the uh, not only did the New York Times cover that story, but the uh, the daily podcast, if any of your people are familiar with that, that's where they it's a New York Times podcast that where they kind of pick the big headlines of the previous day or a couple of days and they they'll profile it in a short sort of 15, 20 minute podcast. And they actually chose that as one of their stories. So that one was, it was a big one for us. Okay. I've got a question coming through from, uh, uh, from trip and fool who, uh, who had asked, yeah. um, has you reached out to Ono Ross and Carrie about Scientology? And I'm going to kind of piggyback onto that one. Uh, Scientology has got a really long history of uh, how can I best put this um, being confrontational for those that want to use a spotlight and a magnifying glass to see what's going on. Um, have you had any kind of interacting or, or have you kind of gotten in partnering with anybody to do a little bit of deep dive on anybody specifically yet? No, not, not with Scientology. Um, and we would, we would, we're not worried. I mean, we're aware of the potential sort of uh, confrontations that, that could come up with, dealing with an organization like them. We're not too worried about it. Yeah. We, we haven't talked to anybody in, in Scientology or not, not any um, meaningful conversations. I should say we have had some people reach out to us, but um, you know, one of the things that we have to deal with uh, and, and I, I don't say this as a complaint, it just comes with the territory. And if you talk to any reporter, they'll tell you they deal with this uh, no matter what they report on. We get a lot of people that contact us that think they have something that really isn't what they think it is. <laughs> okay. Um, and so we have to tread that water lightly because we have to be respectful. And sometimes these people are victims of some sort of, uh, it might not necessarily be a sexual abuse, but, you know, uh, you know, religious um, sort of, uh, like emotional abuse. Emotion. There we go. That's what I was looking for. So, so we, we try to, you know, I, I spend hours on the phone with people sometimes just listening to them, even though I know I can't go anywhere with the story. But uh, um, so it, it, that, that eats up our time a lot. And, and we've gotten some of that from Scientology, um, but I haven't gotten anything that I can really sink my teeth into as far as um, publishing a story. That's I, I kind of got a little long winded there, but that's the, the short end of it. Well, we're not afraid of the confrontation. I mean, like Tracy said, we've, we've, we've had a conversation with the Mormon church. Um, we've actually had three, well, I should say four legal confrontations, if you will. Um, none of them we've had to, none of them have seen the inside of a courtroom yet. That's good. Uh, you know, and, and we've come out sort of, I, you know, like, uh, I guess what I would say on the winning end in most of these cases, the winning end of it, it means that, we have successfully put the ball back in their court and they have not made their next move because they probably realized we called their bluff type of a thing. Um, That's good. But yeah, the Jehovah's witnesses have tried to uh, threaten to sue us. Uh, we told them to go pound sand. Um, <laughs> and uh, we had, uh, there was a, there was actually a private uh, family um, 
it was a Mormon family that tried to sue us. There, there's a guy named, uh, you know, if anybody, if any of your listeners maybe aren't super familiar with Mormonism and ever want to go down a rabbit hole that can sometimes be dark, they should, they should Google a name of Bruce R. McConkie. And this guy, Bruce R. McConkie, he's been dead since like the early 80s. But he w- was uh, from, I'll say from like the early 60s to the early 80s. Um, maybe even a little longer than that, was one of the most influential figures in Mormon leadership. Oh, yeah, there you go. There's a picture of him. He was super charismatic. He was a great public speaker. He's the kind of guy that would just get up and you would want to, you would hang on every word he said. He was that kind of a speaker. Um, he was also, uh, if I may say, uh, batshit crazy. <laughs> Uh, and he had a lot of not just sort of uh, racist and homophobic attitudes, because that was, to be perfectly honest, quite common back then. That was not unique to him. But he had some crazy that was even unique to him. Um, and a lot of people who are like the baby boomer age, who would have been young at the time of his, you know, most of his influence you know, impressionable minds, teenagers, young adults, uh, really, you can still see the remnants of his influence today is what I should say. So anyway, we received a a huge uh, cachet of uh, uh, his personal writings that had had not been published. Okay. Now we have, we actually, sometimes we know our sources and sometimes we don't. This is a particular instance where we don't know who our source uh, was, but they sent us a database and we did some research because we had to make sure, first of all, that these were real, these things, Um, because some of it was super outlandish. Some of it was boring, not even worth reading, but some of it was interesting and and we, we found out this database has very few people have access to this database basically like the heirs of his family and like some people in the church history department. We don't know who sent it to us, but anyway, we published all of these writings and there was nothing in them that was like, Oh, the Mormon church is a fraud. Look what he said. There was nothing like that. Um, But it was really interesting um, for those that follow him and, and from a historical standpoint are interested in his influence. It was a great insight into what we already knew was a, was an interesting mind. Like there, there was one, for example, and if this isn't super interesting to you guys, I apologize, but for Mormons, this is like super fascinating. There was this one document that was, it was meant to be, all this stuff was meant to be published at some point, but they just, there were manuscripts of articles or books or pamphlets. And one of the things he was working on was this, uh, this long form sort of article about him answering tough questions from members, you know, how do I explain this? Or how do I understand this? That type of thing. Okay. And somebody asked him something along the lines of, um, where do animals come from? Okay. It was something along the line, like, you know, is it just that, you know, God just sort of, you know, waved a magic wand and they appeared or, you know, that type of a thing, where did they come from? And he wrote in his answer, um, that they are, how do I put this? So Mormons believe that humans come from, you know, God, the father, right. And I don't know if you know this, but they believe that God, 
the father, heavenly father, however they refer to him, is a resurrected being who had another life on another planet, just like we are now. Okay. Oh yeah, that's Kolob. Uh, are you familiar with that? More well, that's Kolob is supposedly the star that is the center of the galaxy that that he currently lives in. So he lives on a planet that's close to Col- that's closest to Kolob is supposedly where he lives, right? Okay. And but yeah, so the Mormon belief is that you know God went through a, a trial life like we did. He passed and made it to the celestial kingdom, and now is doing his own version of what he had lived. So we are uh, we are we come from humans come from a resurrected being, okay. In, in a way. So he actually said that this is the same for animals in his answer, that animals come from resurrected beings. And then he goes on to say, in other words, and he gives a specific example, the very first cow on the earth uh, was the offspring of two resurrected cows that lived on another planet. <laughs> so this is just kind of the, the crazy. This is the guy that was one of the most influential, powerful people in modern Mormonism is, you know, I'm sure he said this stuff when he went out to local meetings and stuff like that. Um, And there was a bunch of other interesting things. Anyway, his family, the heirs of Bruce R. McConkie, as they referred to themselves, I don't even know who these people are. Uh, They never gave their specific names. Well, the the, the heirs of Mr. McConkie. I mean, in in the the time of They had their attorney uh, send us a letter threatening to sue us if we don't take down these letters. Now, what's funny is that um, there was a Mormon apologist, not super famous, but, you know, had a somewhat uh, large audience of, of Mormons who was telling people that these were fake documents. He was going around like, on our message board, like on our uh, Facebook saying, oh, these are fake. Nobody should listen to this, all this stuff. And then the family, kind of like what happened with the church, like Tracy was talking about earlier, the family basically just confirmed that these documents were real by telling us, and not only in the letter that they sent us, telling us to take them down, they specifically named the, each file. Like, these are the files that you have to take down. It were like 50 writings. So it's, it's interesting. It was an interesting little episode. Um, I had uh, historians from different colleges uh, these are people with PhDs who 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 write who've written books and peer-reviewed papers on the history of Mormonism and all this kind of stuff have reached out to me and told me that these documents are amazing from a historical standpoint, and that some of them they've heard existed but never knew if they really existed and had never been able to see some of these documents. So it was really it, you know it, it's a little bit inside baseball. But for those that are interested in that game of that that game of baseball, it, it was some fascinating stuff that we released there. Um, All I can think of with that is like, okay, I thought Scientology was a pretty whacked out had a pretty whacked out history. Oh, it is. Uh, it it, and, and it does. It does. I, I mean, when I when I first heard it, uh, you know, from from Sean Kennedy years ago, I didn't believe it, and then as I learned a little bit more, you know, the whole thing about Zeno stuff like that at that point, I thought, okay, that has got to be about the craziest thing I've ever heard till now, until tonight. <laughs> See Dallin, what, what was it? Aaron always said, J- hold on. It gets better. Yeah. It just, it just <laughs> keeps doing that. So, um, by the way, bef- before I go ahead and, and ask anything of, of, of guys, uh, just want to double check w- with the rest of the panel, because I mean, I know it's my show and all, but you know what I mean? Uh, 
you guys got anything, just, you know, say, uh, speak up and feel free. And by the way, uh, for, for the guys that have been dropping stuff into our live chat for me for later, thank you. I was trying to, I was trying to type and, and trying to figure out how to, how to spell the name. And it's just like, oh, here's the Wikipedia. Like, well, pfft, thanks. That, that makes it so much easier. That's what we're here for. Uh, just wondering that. how you even begin to top resurrected alien cows. <laughs> See, I, 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 I was, although, I was, uh, well, Tracy, where do you even go from there? Is this like the end of the show now? Because where do you oh, go? Oh, hell no. Really? Oh, hell no. The thing, Tracy, though, with, uh, give, with give me 30 seconds. I'm going to step away for 30 seconds. Okay? No worries. Okay. No worries. Yeah, no, no, Tracy, uh, to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. Yeah. <laughs> this letter, Kenny moment brought to you by. Um, I, I have to admit, like, yeah, resurrected space cows, okay. Uh, nuking uh, trillions of people for tax purposes, you got to admit, that's a close second. Yeah, there's a, you know, when he was saying that uh, they they came from two uh, resurrected cows from space, and the, the suddenly I'm thinking to myself, well, that explains everything back in the '70s with the whole UFO scare, with all the per, uh, the animals that have been, you know, out in the out in the paddocks that have been probed and and carved up and everything. It <laughs> explains everything. Finally, so, so, so get back what? to Is Project there, Blue Book. I was going to say, so does that mean there there's what there's like a. Uh, an enemy alien presence out there. You know, the cows were the arch enemies of these pe- of these beings or something. No, man, they just want White Castles. That's all. <laughs> There's some people who get that. You're my people. Okay, oh. so the question I've got at this point, and uh, I'm bringing it over for you, Tracy, because um, you've had experience with talking with a lot of folks over the years. And in some cases, you've ended up talking with those who have been religious leaders of groups, some of which have been, um, how can I best put this? Uh, shitheads is probably one of the nicest ways <laughs> I can put that. Um, do you, I'm, I'm kind of wondering for your experience with dealing with the lay people versus those who were of the higher echelons of these religious groups, doesn't matter which ones, does it kind of feel like the ones who are, Higher up in the hierarchy tend to be more batshit than the ones who are lower down on the rungs sometimes? Or am I just looking at it and, and yeah, picking I and guess choosing it because of you Yeah, it depends on the person, right? Because we have definitely gotten some whacked out calls. Right, that is one of the nicest ways that you could have put that. I'm very impressed. <laughs> you do- Having listened to some of the calls oh, from God. some of the shows you've been on... I was going to say, you're being very nice. Well, but I don't, I, I think, um, you know, there's, there's so many different, I think it, there's people who believe what they're selling, you know, and I, and I think that a lot of, I think more people believe it than I, I always figured it was just a con. But I think some of these people are drinking their own Kool-Aid. You know what I mean? Um, As somebody who just finished his drink of wine, thank you. I feel so much better about myself now. Have have any of you watched The Family on Netflix? I have. Not yet. Okay. so creepy. Um, It is creepy. I was, it was like episode one, right? Episode one, I'm like, okay. Episode two, I'm like, eh, okay. Episode three, I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, this is just absolutely unacceptable. This is, 
out, you know, off the rails. It's just episode three just got scary. Okay, what's and the it, for for those of us that know nothing about this? It's about it's literally about the the behind the scenes evangelical dominionist movement that is backing all of our politics right now. And what's really frightening about it to me is when I saw these people talking about it, I'm convinced they are convinced. All right. So I don't think that these are people that are using religion to drive politics. I mean, was that also your impression? Yeah, they were they they're on board with it. And um, the person who did the documentary was invited to come and live like in this house with them. And he started noticing that they were having people come and visit. And he's like, well, why is that? Why is that senator coming to the house? Like, it's just like a almost like a dorm house. Right. That he was living in with his friends at college or whatever. And and they were just like, oh, yeah, we're like just Christians. And and he just noticed that there were very, very influential people coming all the time. And they were having these dinners where there was all these high-powered people coming in and having networking and stuff going on with, you know, and he's just like, "What is this?" Um, and they think that they're doing God's work, right? They they believe that this is God, you know, working through them to whatever He's going to do in the world. Um, and when I watched it, what surprised me, I was surprised at how many of the people spoke openly about what they were doing because they were just so happy to be doing God's work. And I, I expected there to be more of a, of a con sort of bent to it. You know what I mean? Like, but it, it was not like that. And that's the thing I think that's, that very much scared me is knowing that they, sincerely believe that they are working for God. And when you, after you watch it, it's interesting because there would be these weird statements, these weird kind of bizarro statements in the press. And people would say, Who, what is that? Like, what do they mean? Like, you know, like, Trump is calling himself the king of the Jews. And what is this? After you watch this documentary and you see that, it's almost like totally in context. Hmm. Uh, I got a question uh, over in the chat, and then I've I've got a, a kind of a question to follow up with what you were saying. And please forgive me; this kind of takes us sideways for a second. Uh, Trippin again is is asking: Is Tracy part of another podcast? Well, Tracy's had several over the years. Uh, would you mind giving a, a quick rundown? We'll be able to add them and whatever it is that you're currently affiliated with. I mean, mostly people knew me from um, Atheist Experience, and we also did Godless Bitches, which I think is the one that I'm most proud of. That was the the show that I really liked. The the I thought we did the best work that was um, fun on to watch. that program. Oh, thank you. And um, I I just kind of helped out now and then on. Um, nonprofits like I would fill in if they needed to fill somebody in so I wasn't technically you know part of the show but I was definitely like a standby host whenever they needed um, someone to come fill in so there's a few episodes of that where I'm in um, and that was really the only ones that I you know worked on through ACA and then what's going on I don't I don't know if, if we we can talk about it. we're having just discussions about potentially um, rolling out a podcast for truth and transparency, but right now it's just in conversation stage. 
nothing wrong with that. Uh, so and, and we'll that, definitely, you know, send more information if it if it comes to fruition and we start doing it. I would definitely want to, you know, be promoting that if it happens. Absolutely, um, would, and love, I, would love that. Yeah, and it, it would just be, um, you know, highlighting a lot of the articles just in more. Uh, digestible chunks i guess some people can't always you know read <laughs> you know a lot of us are mobile and driving and you don't you don't have a lot of time to just sit down and sit and read something but sometimes you, you are able to sit and listen to something and i hope uh, ryan is that right that i mentioned that or is it yeah 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 I, first place <laughs> okay I, I, first place has been mentioned so here you go world premiere <laughs> you know <laughs> like, <laughs> no you it's, know. it's it's we're 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 looking to do something uh like she said, uh, you know, something where we highlight the news, you know, the religious news of the week of the maybe biweekly, you know, or uh, maybe biweekly or semi-weekly. You know, maybe every other week or every week. We haven't nailed that down yet, but uh, every other yeah, semi. I, semi. There we go. I should know that, but <laughs> don't worry about it. I, for the longest time, I always thought it was octopi, and then no, 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 it's octopuses. Really. No, it's just the, um, you know, the written format is good for some folks, but it just, it really is restrictive. I think for some, for a lot of people that just don't have time to to sit and read, you know, so we all can sit, listen to something while we're doing other things, but it's a little bit harder to sit and give your attention to, you know, to a screen for a lot of the in-depth stuff that goes on um, at this site. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that, you know, you, people will see if they go to our website and read our stories that may be surprising. I mean, I don't know what your demographic is that, you know, the people that are listening here, but um, uh, if, if you're opening your arms to people, okay. I mean, if you're opening your arms to people like me and Tracy, I'm assuming you have a lot of sort of ex-religious atheist minded type people, <laughs> but uh, a couple. Um, and, yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm an atheist and uh, Ethan who does the website, you know, we're both, we don't really sort of, sh- we sort of embrace that, that, that moniker, uh, personally but if people when people go and look at our website i think they will find that this is is we we make a real attempt for this to be straight news um so our thing is um if people go and look at our mission statement on the website you know it's something along the lines of we take the position that religions in general are are not as transparent as they could and should be. And that that lack of transparency leads to problems. And, and so we want to report on that. And we do hope that our reporting and other people's similar reporting do lead to, for religions to, uh, to be more transparent because uh, everybody wins. We believe really that even the religions win when they end up being transparent, they may not realize it right now, which is why they're not being transparent. But, um, you know, I, I think that while increased transparency might hurt, hurt a particular religion in the short term with some of their maybe skeletons coming out of the closet, um, I think it helps them improve who they are themselves. And it makes religion a safer place because, you know, this comes up a lot of times in the circles that I, that I run in when um, LGBT issues are discussed in terms of religion there's a lot of people who want to say, why are we fighting so hard for religions to be accepting of LGBT people? Why don't we just do everything we can just to get all these LGBT people to just leave their religions? That would be the, the safest thing for them to do. 
um, which I wouldn't necessarily disagree with. I mean, I, yeah. I, I definitely think that that would be the best. Yeah. But I, I think don't... sometimes we forget that um, even if we got every single person who identifies as being part of the LGBT community right now to leave their religion, tomorrow a new person that's part of that community is going to be born into a religion. And the next day, and there's always going to be people born into these religions. And so I think by pushing for them to be as accepting as possible creates a safer place for those future generations who by no fault of their own, you know, find themselves in, in, in one of these hyper-religious uh, communities. And so uh, by extension, you know, we kind of look at just transparency in general by the same way. And that, you know, we, we can't, uh, destroy religion, even if we wanted to. And I don't want to destroy religion, but even if that's what I wanted to do, I mean, uh, nobody has the power to do that. And, and so what we can only do is to make it a better place, um, you know, for the future generations. And, and I think transparency plays a huge role in that. So that's kind of where we are coming from when you look at our content. Um, you know, it, it's tough because religious folks, because Ethan and I don't try to hide our personal views on religion, um, you know, when we go on to podcasts, we'll openly say, yeah, personally, hey, you know, I, I don't want anything to do with religion and all this kind of stuff. Um, uh, but we but we want you to look at our content as, as unbiased. And we believe it is. But, you know, religious people sort of, you know, can use that and sort of um, – often try to just dismiss us because, oh, why, you know, these guys just hate religion, you know, don't, don't listen to them, that type of thing. So we always encourage people to read and let us know. We tell people, let us know if, if we were biased in something or maybe we misrepresented something, let us know. We'll, we'll make a correction. Nobody's ever come back with anything, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's something that um, – that's something that uh, I think might be kind of uh, important to hit. Um since since you mentioned about it, Ryan, just uh, hold on just a second because uh, forgive me. Try to balance who ends up talking is always a fun sure. time for for a lot of this stuff. Um, and uh, I since you since you kind of opened on, on the door on this one, uh, Tracy, I want to get for you also on this one again. I need to remind everybody part of the reason why these shows tend to have as many people as we do is because everybody's coming from a different background and got a different perspective. They look at things differently depending as to what it is, which is kind of the reason why I, I try to keep some space for the rest of the panel, even though, yes, it's my show, yeah, whatever it's a group effort. So I don't want to you know leave anybody out. Uh, but Tracy, the, the, the idea of trying to be unbiased is a really, really tough one. And we've, we've talked about this on, on many occasions that, you know, it's tough to do, but there are ways of looking at any question and determining if you're looking at it in a biased or an unbiased way by using, well, like, like I've used before, the domino concept. This fact necessitates hitting this fact necessitates hitting this fact in order to eventually get to whatever the whatever the conclusion is and if you gotta futz around with the dominoes a little bit you're not really being fair with the whole thing um i've tried to use that as an analogy for folks to kind of understand where where i come from with stuff but i end up a lot of times and i'm pretty sure it kind of has happened with you over the years 
people don't particularly care when you call them out on when they start fussing around with dominoes, no? Uh, I, I've had, you know, it, recently, my recent experience has been mostly with um, systemic things like systemic racism, systemic, systemic sexism, um, issues like this, uh, gender binary bias. And I do find that people get very, very touchy. Right. And so I've kind of started a thing um, on my Facebook page where I whenever I find myself or discover or someone points out to me that I've done or said a thing that's racist. I'll go ahead and just post it and say, hey, I'm a racist and I'll put what I did and I'll say, because I don't want to be racist, I'm not going to do this anymore. And what I'm trying to do is get people comfortable with acknowledging, right? And and one of the things I find is that people are, they get a little bit freaked out because they're like, well, but if you don't mean it, you know, I didn't, but, but if you don't mean it, then, then like, it's not really racism. And I'm like, if I'm doing something that does disproportionate damage to people of color, that is racist. And that is racism. And when you're doing racist things, you are being a racist. So it's almost like when they'd say, when you're lying, you're a liar, right? It's like, if you're doing the thing, then you have to kind of own the label. And so I'm trying to get people comfortable with those labels, because in that's what systemic means, right? It means that we're all participating in this. Um, and it's really, it really freaks people out. They will, they will almost do anything but acknowledge that I'm, I've done something sexist, I've done something racist, and I've just kind of quit uh, balking at it, you know. And if I post something and somebody's like, "Hey, that's racist," my thing is, "Okay, explain it to me. Let me know. Let me know how I can do better." Instead of, "I'm not a racist. Why are you calling me racist? That's not racist, right?" It's like instead of defending. Ask the person to explain it so that you can understand it and you can do better. Uh, and it, it, but you're right. It's like these are these are biases. That's what it all boils down to, right? It's these inherent cultural biases. And when you're in the dominant culture, you just don't think of this stuff because you don't have to. Because it's just right? the I mean, way the land the, has been. Well, and and that's that's the definition of privilege: is the things that I don't have to think about. If yeah. I don't have to think about it, that's a privilege. And other people do have to think about it, right? And, and um, that's part of the thing, too. Like, somebody will say, well, I'm colorblind, right? And I'm like, that doesn't help, right? That's not really helping because there's if there's racist and racism happening and people are being damaged because of race, then if you won't see it, you're not helping. You're part of the problem. You've got to be able to see it. Yeah, forgive me for wording and, it this way. If if you if you try to intentionally stick your head in the sand, so to speak, you're forgive the expression. Like I said, you're kind of whitewashing the whole damn thing. Exactly what it is. Yeah, and and it, somebody 
put it um, this way that was kind of interesting when they were saying, you know, I don't see, I don't see black and white. And they were like, can you imagine somebody saying like, I don't see, like, I'm not sexist. I don't see women. <laughs> I don't see men. You know, it's like, I don't see, uh, I, I can't see gender. It's like, it, it just doesn't even make sense. And I mean, it, it comes from a place of somebody trying to say, I don't judge you based on, based on race. But the reality is that person is being judged on race all the time and being damaged for race all the time. And so they, you obviously context matters, right? But in general, you have to at least be aware of that. So you've got to be cognizant of race. It doesn't mean running around judging people or having stereotypes or biases. It just means being aware of the ways in which society damages certain people and how it treats certain demographics differently than you and your demographic. And when you become aware of that, um, then you can actually start to tailor your behavior and your language in a way that helps you do better not contributing to it any more than you have to. Yeah, try long, to. You know, I'm getting going down a path there, but, well, it, but it, that it's that's a that's a area where I think people are completely freaked out when you point out that there's you know the slightest but hey that's a privileged comment oh my god it's, it's just like you know an explosion just to point out that hey what you said there is very dominant culture and it wasn't very thoughtful or reflective of people who don't look like you. Yeah, we've uh, you've actually ended up touching on on several topics that come up often on the show. Uh, not the least of which is how difficult it is to question the way that we are, uh, which is a really bad way of saying we've never really thought about we are who we are because what we grew up through, which you know, it it, it was how we grew up. Because, you know, that's that's what we grew up with and not realizing that sometimes it's a really good idea to kind of try to take a step back mentally and go, okay, I had it this way. What did somebody else have it as? Which also kind of plays into the as we've the guys will tell you one of the other uh, one of the other uh, co-hosts that's not on with us right now, the whole in-group out-group that we we don't think as much about those who are not part of our group in so much as they should be treated the same way as the rest of us, but they're outsiders. So, you know, uh, okay, yeah, you, you should be treated the same way. You should have the same stuff, but I don't really think about it. It's that whole tribalism thing that he refers yeah. to, references. Yeah, which... Um, I remember doing a thread. I did a thread at one point on um, the American, was it the like the American experience, I guess. And I was making the comment that, you know, the, that there's this happy days kind of narrative that people relate to as like this American experience. And I said, but that's not reflective. That's only reflective of, of a particular American experience. It's not like this was everyone's experience. This was a narrow demographic 
of people who had this experience and other people had a different experience. Like my experience was my mom made lasagna and, you know, that was like my experience and somebody else, you know, is like Chinese American and that's their experience. And um, it was interesting because some people came on and they were freaked out by that. Right. Cause they were just like, well, but, but that's, you know, that, that's a, uh, they, they were, they just kind of had this thing that this is the American experience. The happy days thing is the American experience. And you guys, that's not, and I'm like, I'm not American. I didn't have this experience. There's not a whole bunch of people like me who immigrated families came from Italy that live in America. And this is how, this is our experience. Right. Yep. It, and I'm like, you can't delegitimize that. You can't just say like this. This was this was how it was in the fifties. It's like no, there was like a whole bunch of other things going on that are not reflected in that narrative, that you know, we look at as like not counting, right? They don't count. They're like something else. They're some foreign thing, and it's like no, because it's a melting pot, right? And everybody here has an American experience, and you can't just define it by one demographic and say that's the one that counts and everything else is sort of lesser than or you know different judged by that and different than that it's like no you're looking at it from your because that was what you grew up like you were happy days i wasn't you know and but i still considered myself an american citizen a u.s citizen and, you know, so it was just an interesting thread where people were having a really hard time. And you could tell. And that's the thing. It's like you can tell just by the way somebody reacts to it. Pretty much. Are they white? Are they male? Are they? You know, it's like you can tell so much about a person by the way they respond to things sometimes. Um, and just, you know, how they talk about it and what they don't understand lets you clue into, oh, wow, they must not be part of this. Because they don't get it. Uh, I'm sorry, Tick, go ahead. I was going to say, that's actually one of the things I run into. I've seen, I've lost count of the amount of people that I've interacted with on a personal basis where they don't understand the difference between, um, like, I tend to tell a lot of jokes. I, I, I relate to life through humor, through math, through science, and a bunch of other things. But at the end of the day, uh, you will almost always find me telling a joke somewhere and, and having a laugh and generally not doing it at somebody else's expense, usually making it about myself because, you know, no harm, no foul. And what I find is that a lot of people don't seem to get the difference between there's the subject matter of a joke and then there's the intent behind the joke. And if the subject matter, like we have uh, comedians who are, for lack of a better phrase, are basically shock jocks. And if somebody can't get past the subject matter, they can't see the intent. So as soon as they hear, ooh, uh, babies or um, necrophilia or whatever, they, they shut down. They're done. And uh, some people will get offended. Some people get angry. Some people get scared. Some people get whatever their feelings are. They, they allow them to run, uh, to, to roll tide over all their possibilities of logic and reasoning in the situation. And in a big auditorium filled with hundreds of people, comedians have the benefit that most of the people there are, are there for a laugh. And the few that get offended, well, the majority of the people are laughing. So they kind of 
quiet down. You get the occasional heckler based on alcohol and all that, but for the most part, but a one-on-one situation or where you're in a small group of people and you might have a few newcomers that can make for a really awkward evening. And most of my, uh, well, all my intent behind my stuff when I make fun of myself and little remarks here and there are all benign or malign or what the opposite of malignant. Um, but they're not mean. They're not intended to mean. They're intended to spark a humorous rela- re- reaction, to feel uplifted, and to have a good time. And um, But the people who don't do that, the people who refuse to get past the subject matter, keep trying to shut down conversations. They shut down the environment. And you can't it becomes a brick wall and it sucks because i had to take one person aside after i was in a group of my friends this person was a newcomer i was a group of probably about 30 of my friends which that's pretty significant group one of my female friends made a joke haha funny i riffed off of her joke because well i also took theater arts and improv and it's fun And the group laughed. This newcomer did not like that. Now, this newcomer had my contact information because we shared it. Uh, We were all sharing our info and welcoming this person to the group. I got an email that night about three paragraphs long explaining why I was wrong to make the joke. I ended up taking the person out for coffee at my own personal expense, not to bribe them, but because I didn't want them to feel that I was going to financially obligate them to something. And we had about a four-hour-long discussion about why that joke was not wrong. Had that person been any less reasonable, I would have never gotten through to that person. Never. But it took four hours. Now, imagine trying to do that to a group of people who are all pissed off. Good luck. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a, lot, of, a lot of stuff that we've talked with. Like I said, you know, well, I mean, you've... You've got 200 episodes to catch up on. You can, you can binge watch that <laughs> later. Yeah, um, yeah, the, uh, it's, you know, it, one of the things that we found is, is um, trying to talk through has been really difficult uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, Dallin specifically mentioned about it because, um, you know, he, he, he watches what goes on from, you know, the, the Canadian side, looking down at us going, guys, uh, dumpster fires. Um, you, you've got, you've got fire hoses for those, you know, uh, um, but, yeah, uh, but, when, but when the fire hoses are plugged into p- petrol yeah. instead of water, bad things tend to happen unless you're a pyromaniac, in which case <laughs> flame on. Well, yeah. that, that's typically what labels are for. Um, you really should know the difference between, you know, H2O and, uh, CH or what is it? C8H, whatever. <laughs> I can't remember what octane is off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, don't look at me. Oh, we've got 97 know. in office. Uh, Be that as it may. Uh, so let me bring, let me bring it back over for, uh, for Ryan for this, uh, because there's, there's a piece of this that I, I want to see if it kind of interleaves a little bit. Uh, oh, um, sorry. A couple, a couple, a uh, couple items. Uh, over in the over in the chat, relay. Okay, cute. Uh, had had said, could you say 
McMurphy has no power, please. I do not know who McMurphy is. I know of the great God Murphy, in which case, uh, are you really trying to summon him? Because, you know, that that's a bad idea. I don't know if anybody knows. Him. You, didn't you just Murphy say it when you read it? I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, read, I didn't, you just I didn't, read what he wanted you to say, right? I, I didn't. I didn't do the. the I didn't do the the, the, the handy thing. I, I don't. Well, could, you have to do hands. I don't, I don't know. know. Could 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 McMurphy's be like um, the the restaurant that Murphy was trying to open, where um, whatever could go wrong with your order will go wrong with your order at the worst possible moment? Uh, isn't it the isn't it the place? It oh god, don't even st- you know? And I just found out uh, just this past week that they are opening uh, a. Princess Bride themed uh, restaurant <laughs> in Chicago. I so road trips. Yeah, tell me about it. Um, <laughs> the 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 other thing that I wanted to drop for you, uh, Tracy, really quickly is uh, the next time you use uh, the the whole happy thing, uh, happy days thing on folks, have fun reminding people. Yeah, by the way, Richie was a middle child. Have fun with that one. Yes, I have a lot of weird shit stuck in my head. Yes, Richie was a middle child. Almost nobody remembers about that. I'm stupid. I'm, uh, I'm, I don't. I don't even remember him having an older sibling. But I think it was. Uh, I think it the, was the, the first older episode. sibling wasn't there for very long. But of course, then there was Joni, the younger sister. But yeah, yeah. I remember. What was his name? I don't. I don't remember. It doesn't, uh, doesn't matter. He went off to college and nobody saw him again. He he probably got drafted okay. or something. I don't know, whatever. Just probably have, didn't, you know what? He he probably didn't uh, go so well with the focus group when they were testing the the when they were screening the show. I bet you that's what it was. Trip and tell me that I'm turning red, so the wine must be good. I should not be. Thank you. I have only had just this much, and as we all full well know. Oh God, here we go. The potion with the poisons and the flagon with the dragon. The Vessel with the pestle has the brew that is true. Shit, I had the ve- the dragon. Ve- okay, this is probably not such a good idea then. All right, fine, whatever. Uh, so where I was going before, <laughs> um, Ryan, is that uh, there's got I, I have I I can only imagine if you guys are trying to bring out the information to to educate the population uh, the the pop the public public that's what i'm looking for populist public uh, educate the how public. much have you been drinking i'm <laughs> trying to organize my head at the same time that i'm actually paying a lot more attention for a change i mean you guys i can tune you guys out any time of the week it doesn't matter i've actually got real people here for a change so <laughs> <clears throat> that where what i'm wondering is how much besides the groups who have threatened legal action how much how much blowback how much pushback do you guys end up getting from the lay people when they find out their religious organization has been basically um shafting them financially culturally uh, emotionally sexually in some cases I mean, I, I have to imagine that these revelations for folks have been pushed back upon really hard sometimes. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a, a great question. Um, I'll try to be concise with that. Early In the early days when we were Mormon leaks and we had some significant documents that we dumped, in the early days we did not write articles. 
Um, we didn't do any investigative reporting like we do, like we have for the last year and a half or so. Um, in the early days, we we were basically a, a clearinghouse for these leaked internal documents. We would verify them. We would clean them up. We would uh, make sure there were no digital fingerprints. That was Ethan's job. And we would put them out there. We would let media worthy of someone. They wouldn't be on Reddit, whatever. Yeah. Sorry. We had a couple of seconds where you were networked out really hard. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Am I okay now? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, you know, early on, it was just these documents and, um, it, it, you know, we did get a lot of like hate mail a lot from, from believers early on. We don't get much anymore, but we will every once in a while still get some hate mail, but it's, it's definitely not like, a, I mean, the early days, it was like every day, constantly, we were getting emails, messages, just, and some things were like, some of it was just like, why do you hate, hate our religion? It was like that. And some of it was like, I'm going to come and rape your wife tomorrow night while you're sleeping, you know, that kind of, it was that whole spectrum. Okay. Um, Perfect. But, but I think once, um, once people started like paying attention to like actually what we were releasing, um, it, it ended up falling into sort of two categories from the believers perspective. And I'm mostly speaking from Mormons here because most of our stuff has been related to Mormonism, but I think this would apply to sort of any religion content that we've put out there. Uh, in one camp, there are a number of faithful Mormons who have been appreciative of our work. And they've met, sent us, I have a ton of messages saying that. They'll, and usually it'll be along the lines of, I, I'm a believing Mormon. I love the church. I have a testimony. The one thing that's always bothered me was their lack of transparency. That's the one hang up if I've ever had one, that was it. And I appreciate the work that you're doing in that regard. Um, that's usually the theme of the message it will get and uh, from believers. The other faction um, will basically turn into sort of turn to like apologetics. So if it's a financial issue, they'll come up with the reason why it's not a problem. Like we, one of our biggest financial related stories was, and we've had a number of them, but one of them was that we tied $32 billion in the stock market to the Mormon church. Um, and that's, by the way, just the tip of the iceberg. Whoa, so whoa, we're working whoa, on hold, hold, hold yeah. it. Go ahead. With a B billion. Mm -hmm. That's a drop in the bucket to what they totally have. We're, we're, we're about to uncover some more stuff. But yeah, I mean, they yeah, we, we were able to tie definitively, like we've got the spreadsheets with all the stocks, how much of each stock they own and everything. We actually just published an updated story so people can see the updated stock list for those. There are these like, holding companies that they created that totally, they totally went out of their way to keep it secret. Right. We, we, we based down in the haystack. Okay. We got a tip on where the needle was and we found it. So um, faithful Mormons, the apologetic approach to that story was now there were a lot of Mormons that that rocked their boat a little bit. Uh, I don't know that they, that there's any that necessarily left the church over it, but there's definitely people that were like, Whoa, you know, what's going on here? Uh, am, am I, Maybe I can cut back a little bit on how much I'm tithing, but uh, if people looked at it as a faith-promoting, a faith-building revelation in that, look how God has blessed our church. That was sort of the, and so they'll come up with anything like that. You know, they basically anything financial, 
they just look at it as like, yeah, we're being blessed, you know, and, and uh, you know, and God can spend his money how he sees fit, I guess. And the sexual abuse stuff, um, even ones where we have shown total breakdowns in uh, the church's responsibility, because most of the time, what you see in most of these cases that we can document is in most cases, it'll be a situation where the church had nothing to do with the abuse and could not have prevented the abuse. It's their response when they found out where the problem comes in. That's usually, now we did have one story where the church could have prevented abuse, but that's an, that is an, ex, in my experience, that's an exception to the rule. It's usually in their lackluster response. And most people, most of the apologetics around those types of stories are, well, this was a one-off. This was a rogue leader who, who should have done the better job, but didn't. And they'll just come up with a, a reason why these are not um, systematic problems. Um, and it's kind of like, well, how many of these stories do you have to read before you realize it's systematic? Uh, who knows? Probably unlimited number I'm, with some people. But that's the kind of response we get. We get people that will – and I've often said this in interviews. Um, faithful Mormons can read our content, and with the exception of maybe one or two stories that we've done, they could spin everything we've printed into a positive. They really could. And I could do it, too, since I was a Mormon for 32 years. I could tell you what they would say. Um, so I, I actually uh, I feel like that's a, um, a feather in our cap to show just how unbiased we are and just reporting the facts. Um, but it's also a testament to how you can take a set of facts and for one person, just be told it'd be totally obvious that there's a breakdown in a system, and another person could look at the same facts and say this is evidence of the greatness of the system. <laughs> you know, it's 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 really fascinating. One one of the ones that we had early on was um, always tell you that there's no paid clergy. That's like one of their selling points. I don't know if you've ever heard that in the context of Mormonism. But they love to tell you, no paid clergy, no paid clergy. We have no clergy. And, um, and and that's, by the way, it's true on the local level. There is no, like, bishops uh, like that are leaders at the local level are volunteers. They have regular jobs. They're doing their religious duties in the free time. Um, but once you get up to sort of national leadership, at some point, you know, these guys are working 40 plus hours a week. And I say guys, by the way, because women are not allowed in these positions, of course. So that was not just sort of a, a generic guys, like literally these guys. <laughs> OK. Um, uh, and, and it was always taught in when I was a kid, um, we were always taught that these people um, – for the most part are all independently wealthy, which is true. Most of them are people who have had wildly crazy success in business and uh, unbelievable success in business. And, and, and the, the church just simply reimburses them for their minimal living, ex, minimum living expenses. Okay. Um, we published documents. Uh, it, it was actually our very first leak. Once we formalized our website, it wasn't our first leak ever, but once we formalized the website, and we had some internal documents showing that these top-level people, uh, there's approximately probably 50 or 60 people at this level, okay? Uh, it's three levels of leadership. And uh, between those three levels of leadership, there's about 50 people. 
And their base salary, they all get more than this because depending on what their responsibilities are, but their base in 2014 was $120,000 a year, plus all these other, you know, whatever accolades that they get. And so we were the first people um, since the, the Mormon church stopped publishing their financials in the 50s. They actually used to publish them. Um, we are the first people to actually document any amount of money associated with what they get paid. And the conversation that ensued was absolutely fascinating because instead of people saying, wait a minute, I thought they received a modest stipend. Uh, it was for Mormon, uh, for non-Mormons or ex-Mormons, I should say, who are a lot of them are very angry. They're in a very angry place, which is fine. I was there. We all have to go through that sort of grieving process when you, when you leave a high demand religion. Um, they were just completely outraged by this, that this was just an obscene amount of money, which in Utah, it is a lot of money. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. And, and I just want to, I just kind of want to lay this out for anybody that's listening or, or for whatever reason, you know, listen to it for later or is kind of trying to conceptualize how much money we're talking about. It, you're talking about on, on top of whatever it is that these people normally pull down for their, whatever regular jobs, a house, they're basically being given the monetary equivalent of a house, not a large house, but a house. Yeah. It's and, actually worse than that. But yes, you're, you're right. And and it, if memory serves, because they would be religiously affiliated, do they end up paying taxes on that also as income? It, it appears that this particular money is being taxed. Yes, it does appear that way. Wow, that's uh, but yeah, the, the actually the Mormon Church is notorious for following the law very carefully because they're they're making so much money following the law they don't want to ruin a good thing you know what I mean? Um, the oh, they're the ones trying to be nice for everybody else. That's nice. Well, to you know, I that you know here I live in Las Vegas. I actually used to work for the the Nevada Gaming Control Board. We regulated the uh, casinos and I'd always get people that say, well, which casinos cheating people, you know? And the reality is I would tell them is real. None of them are because they're making millions of dollars without cheating. Why would they want to risk their license? So the Mormon church is making millions and millions and billions of dollars uh, without cheating. Why would they want to cheat and risk? basically saying they were acting as if this was millions of dollars. And by the way, I'm not suggesting it's a small amount because it is a, a, a more than uh, enough money than they need. But then on the Mormon side of it, the, they said, oh, this is nothing. Look at how big the church is. If these people are, you know, they would they would say something like, look, at they, they've dedicated their lives. They, they came from high paying jobs to this. This is like a pay cut. And of course, my response would be, yeah, but the prophet, the guy at the very top, who was a heart surgeon in his professional career, and I'm sure made a lot of money as a heart surgeon, and, and deservedly so, I'm sure. Um, he's 95 years old. There's no heart surgeons that are 95 years old that are making $120,000 a year, so he didn't take a pay cut this year to get his money. But anyway, what we tried to push as an attempt to be non-biased, I mean, we loved the debate that was going on, and we wanted that debate. But what, we, what, I, what I would say in the interviews at the time was I hope that no matter where you fall in this, you know, whether it's too much money or not enough money or whatever, I hope we can all agree that it's not a modest stipend the way the church used to tell us. Whether or not they, you know, so we would try to stay out of the debate as to whether or not they deserve that much money 
Because who's who are we to say? I mean, I I don't. They're not using my money anymore for that. Our big thing was pay them whatever you want. Pay them twenty million dollars a year, but tell the membership so that when they make their donation, they're making an informed donation. And if somebody says, you know, if you say, hey, I want to donate to this church, and I know they're paying these guys twenty million dollars a year, but I still want to donate. Well, who am I to tell you what to do with your money? <laughs> it's when they say modest stipend. Okay, I'll donate, and then you find out oh, they're in the one percent. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is fine. You know they probably do deserve it because they do work hard and they run businesses and all this stuff for the church. But you know, just be honest about it. So there's that. You know, it's these weird dynamics that come up in the stuff that we report, um, where uh, you know great conversations are being had. Um, there's some irrational positions being taken on both sides. Um, we try to bring everything kind of back into the middle, but we don't try too hard. We let people say what they want to say, but, uh, but yeah, we try to remind people that hey, guys, it doesn't really matter how much they pay their people. Like it's their organization. They can do whatever they want. The, the important thing is, is that they just disclose it um, and, and then let people do what they want to do with their money. Right. Anyway, I don't know. I, I kind of got a little bit off. I don't even remember what the original topic was, but <laughs> no, you're, you're... Oh, I think how, how Mormons respond. So, or how the people respond, how religious people respond to our reporting. So yeah, it's, it's all over the board. So yeah. every once in a while we get one that people just can't defend, you know, they can't like, we had one, one of our most recent stories we had, it's, it's a, actually, it's a horrible story, but uh, you know, we had this, it was a border patrol agent down in Arizona who was raping his two daughters and uh, producing child pornography and distributed it on the internet and was also in possession of thousands of still pictures and everything. It was, it's one of the most horrible cases I've ever read. Um, and the, 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 his local Bishop, he confessed to his local Bishop when his one daughter was like, uh, like 11 years old or something like that. And Bishop didn't call the police because it's not a mandatory reporting state. And the, the, the church only tells their bishops, tell, tells them not to call when it's that situation. And by the way, we had court documents documenting all this stuff that the church told the bishop not to call, whatever. But in this particular case, one of the most egregious things um, is that uh, the, the perpetrator continually met with the bishop over the years continuing to confess like it wasn't like he said oh last year i did this and i've never done it again he was confessing to like continually doing this and during that time another daughter was born and he abused that daughter as well so while the church couldn't have prevented him from the doing the initial abuse they can't control what goes on in his house if they had called the police not only would the abuse have stopped on the one daughter but the other daughter would have never been abused to begin with. And so that's one where I don't know that really any Mormons, uh, they stayed quiet on that one. Let's just say, <laughs> okay. Of course, you know, there was nothing they could defend. You know, I it was, was a really bad case. Yeah. And I was, I was reading a couple of, um, I was reading a couple of stories uh, that, uh, that uh, Tracy, you were, you were specifically part of. And it, it it lines right up into this. <laughs> and forgive me, um, uh, I'm having a little bit of a hard time with this one, as you can probably tell. The very famous blow up that you had with one caller 
that Matt just hung the fuck up on. And dare I say, rightly so, where you went ahead and you had you you called the guy out on his bullshittery that if you were a god, you would not be the one to just be hanging around watching kids get raped and then saying, oh yeah, I'll, I'll just go ahead and I'll, I'll kill you later. How? Yeah, I know that. I, I, I remember, I know that one. Yeah. That's where the guy came back and said, well, maybe she deserved it or something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Five-year-old's not innocent or whatever it was. Yeah. We're all, you know, we're all sinners. Yeah. Reminding, reminding people medically. And yes, I had to look this up one time. Medically, it is possible for a five-year-old to become pregnant. Yes, there is actually medical documentation on this, as disgusting as it might be, but yes, such can happen. How... Shit, how do I even word this? Can we get through that level of... I don't even know how to describe it. The, the, can I say what I think needs to be done? By all means. Absolutely. Uh, we actually toyed with this idea a little bit early on to do some... Um, uh, um, what, what's the word I'm thinking of? Some advocacy, some lobbying. We, we've, we've since abandoned that. We hope that advocates just use our work you know, to support their causes. But one of the things that we focused on we we me east and i went to california uh in 2018 right before their 2019 session and just walked around sacramento into the capitol building and knocked on doors and talked to all these senate state senators uh there asking them to remove the clergy exemption from the law we actually found a california senator to sponsor the bill that we gave them now, it ended up dying in committee because the Catholic Church is a huge uh, powerhouse there. But he is going to come back this uh, either this year or next year. I guess I think maybe next year. I'm not sure. But he is going to come back and try it again. But this is where, like, you know, I, I don't know how we can stop a guy like this Border Patrol agent from, you know, raping his children. You know, but but one thing that I think we do have control over, at least to start, is to work in our local states to get the clerk, if we live in a state with a clergy exemption, it's not going to solve all of the problems, of course, um, but it's a place to start. And I think right now, uh, you know, somebody can fact check me. I want to say it's about 12 or 13 states that have no exemption for clergy. Uh, I know Texas is one, uh, New Jersey, West Virginia. Um, these are ones that off the top of my head, I know have no exemption. And, and the Mormon church, for example, follows the law in those states, by the way. If the clergy in those states are informed about abuse, they report. Um, now, and I know a lot of churches take that stance. Now, will some churches ignore the law? Sure. But most states have exemptions. Um, and I think that if we can work to – I know in Utah they're they're debating a bill right now to get rid of the clergy exemption in Utah. I believe they're debating one in Arizona right now. And there may be other ones going on around the country that I don't know about, but that's something that I think that we can really do just as a first step 
into creating a safer environment. Again, like I said, I don't want to suggest it's going to solve the problem completely, um, but hopefully it could at least curb um, oddness maybe when it comes to the attention of clergy, at least stop it sooner than it otherwise would stop. Um, and, and then it creates more awareness, right? It creates more awareness because a lot of times, one of the things that we've advocated for uh, is that we really, uh, and as far as our push for tra- transparency is, we think churches should publish the statistics on sex abuse within their congregations. And they obviously don't need to publish names or anything like that, but it can just simply be, okay, in Las Vegas, Nevada, this is how many uh, accusations there were last year. This is how many resulted in arrests. This is how many resulted in lawsuits. This is how much we paid out. Just sort of generic numbers. And and that along with sort of clergy having to report, it just builds awareness because a lot of times congregants don't even realize how bad the problem is in their congregation. So this can help protect children if people are like, oh, you know what? I, maybe I can't trust everybody in my congregation, <laughs> which a lot of people, you, all of us on this phone are probably thinking, well, of course, who would ever trust? But, you know, in these religions, they do trust. Um, I had a victim one time tell me, Actually, it was the parent of a victim. But they told me about their child's abuse in the, in the church. And they, start, they thought at the time that this was a one They literally thought it was a one-off. And then they did some research and, and were blown away at how pervasive religion uh, – in, in the Mormon church, there was so much abuse. And the bottom line is, is that lack of awareness is – contributes to putting children into uh, in danger in harm's way. So to contact your local legislators and, um, you know, see about getting these types of, and, and, and what you can do is you can go to like the Texas, like you can Google the Texas law or the new West Virginia law, and you can take this to them and say, look, here's, here's your template. You know, Texas has already done it. Just copy their language. Cause most of these States, the language is all the same. On these, on these laws. Yeah, which is one of those things that uh, we've seen kind of work both ways uh, for good and bad, where uh, copycat laws get tried to put into place by the religious groups. But that's yeah, neither yeah. here nor there, but for the second. Uh, I'm going to make a mention that um, Joey, unfortunately, had to take off. He's got a He's got an early day tomorrow. He does pass along his goodwill to everybody and hopes everybody has a, 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 good, a good night. Uh, and sorry... Man, you have yourself a, a good rest, and uh, we'll see you soon, man. We are getting uh, a little bit long into uh, the show, and we don't have too very much longer to go. So uh, what I'd like to do is, uh, since I end up doing a lot more of the interaction, I want to kind of take a little bit more of a, uh, of a backseat and find out if the rest of the hosts have got something that they wanted to ask to, uh, to pitch through that hasn't yet. And of course, you know, I, w- I want to make sure that our guests have got an opportunity to, you know, talk through any last items that they've got specifically too. Uh, Bridget, you haven't had very much opportunity, and you know, you're the main catalyst for tonight. Which, by the way, thank you. Yes, I'll acknowledge no, that. You're welcome. Uh, I don't really have any questions at this point. It's been really interesting. Uh, you know, listening to this, I'm going to definitely go check out the website and uh, maybe see if I can toss them a few bucks. 
I think Thank it's a good you. cause. You're welcome. Yeah, we appreciate that. It, uh, people, I hope people realize that even if it's, you know, $5, that it, it literally helps. It really does mm-hmm. with keeping our lights going. So you can do that. Uh, tech, anything that you haven't had the opportunity for yet or wanted to specifically ask since you got the chance now? Not not off the top of my head. I mean, I've just the, – the few things I chimed in on were pretty much all I had. You know me. I, more yeah. comic relief than anything, but, yeah, true enough, but it's it, it's a lot to take in too, man. I mean, you and you and I, uh, especially being very active parents, you know, th- there's a lot of the stuff that you know we because you know our our younger ones, it's it's a lot of stuff to to take in and, and be concerned over because you know the religious angles in. Th- I don't know if "infect" is quite the right word for it, but affect um, a lot of the a, a lot of the young, impressionable, grown up kids. And you know, I don't know about you, but I I am very proud that Tiny Tribble has been um, without having to to deprogram from so much of this stuff. Um, Dallin, you've been uh, you've been unusually quiet. <laughs> So now I'm kind of wondering what you've been holding up on. No, actually not holding up at all. Um, I was just really taking it all in. It's tonight's been a real education. Um, just, and if I may be so bold, it's been uplifting. I've, uh, I've lamented this before and uh, you know, I've talked about it where, and you mentioned earlier, earlier in the show where, you know, a lot of the atheist podcasts seem to have either gone mellow or gone dark to the point where I was no pun intended, but you know, I, I was losing a little bit of faith in the movement that there were just so few voices, but hearing what I heard tonight, I think we're going to be okay. <laughs> No, it, it just, it, it it was satisfying to hear that there are still voices out there that are taking the fight to, you know, my biggest beef has always been with the organized, particularly the evangelicals, which, you know, to me are just televised con men. Uh, that's always been my, my angle um, because... <laughs> You can't spell fundamentalist without funds, which these guys have in great quantities. But hearing hearing that there are that there are still people out there that are fighting, you know, the good fight and doing it right, it's it's heartwarming. So thank you both for for coming on tonight, definitely. And um yeah, I'm I, I feel gal I feel re energized now. <laughs> good. Thank you for the uh, the Kind of gave me a little pep in my step here at uh, eleven o'clock at night. <laughs> <laughs> well, that and um, just before the show, I got uh, I just got back from dinner at a friend's place, and uh, they introduced me to a uh, very nice uh, blend of coffee from uh, the Kicking Horse Coffee Company. Shuja, we talked about this last night. <laughs> yeah, uh, we did. Yeah, she had the uh, she had the four fifty four out there tonight. So, oh, oh yeah, it's. Uh, 
It's a slice of very dark caffeinated roasted heaven. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the kind of stuff where oh, you want some coffee? Here, you can you take a take a slice. It's fine. <laughs> it's good stuff. Oh yeah, it's good stuff. Um. Yeah, thank you both for staying up so late with us. Yeah. Oh, not a problem. I we're very glad you had us on. Like I said, we're working hard trying to promote right now, so <laughs> this is great. Uh, really appreciate it. Yeah. As an aside, by the way, uh, by the way, the guys over in over in the live chat, you guys have been fabulous. Please forgive me for not getting to all the stuff. I really didn't want to be tap typing on on my keyboard and have it come through this time so i have been reading i have been catching up on all the stuff and and you guys are you guys are great thank you so much um trippin was saying first off of course damn this was a fast two hours yeah i mean you you get into the, some of these topics wow yeah that was the understatement goes. of the century right there yeah um and uh was also saying uh so good hearing tracy again looking forward to hearing more of her again um I'm I'm pretty sure that I speak for the entirety of the group that, yes, we very much would like to hear you back on whatever, uh, whatever av- avenues, whatever channels that you decide that you would like to do, Tracy. But at the same time, um, if it turns out that you guys end up starting to put some stuff together, um, like I said... And and please listen to this the, the whole way through. I don't care whose voice it would be. The fact that you guys are going to be working towards making this happen, getting this out more, having the visibility for it to be, well, I mean, you've already gotten a couple of uh, a couple of nationals. You know, kudos first off, right there. Um, but thank you for putting the effort into you know basically not bashing anybody so much as just going, Hey guys, um, here's a spreadsheet right here. You can look at it yourself. I don't need to tell you anything here. Read that is, um, I, I have to believe that that is going to be a, like I said, early in the show, you know, we're not all bulldogs. You don't always have to be. And sometimes the simple, well, here it can be so much more effective and and thank you for doing that job too really yeah I mean, we, we, thank you yeah, we we really got lucky in a way that very early on we realized that if we were going to have longevity we had to strive for as much neutrality as possible because mm-hmm. uh, you know I, we all love the angry rant i mean I, i'll do <laughs> one myself every once in a while it, it's fun um but once people hear you rant a couple times, you know, they've pretty much heard it all, right? And the other thing is, this is, you know, interestingly, we talked touched on it a little bit, and I know I've spoken to Ethan about it more in depth. It's really an effort that even religious people can be allies for, because who doesn't want their own organization to be more transparent and to not molest children and to not be, you know, abusing the funding. I mean, if if this th- this reporting isn't shutting them down, it's just making them more honest. And if you're a member in that organization, you should be grateful for that. 
Yeah. Um, like I said, one of the things that uh, has all of us on this show have got our own little pet projects that we like to trot out every once in a while. Our our our, our thing that we think is you know one of those championing ideas, and one of mine has been better primary and secondary education, quality primary and secondary education. And because for me, learning how to learn is something that is incredibly important because you don't get locked into a, a, a programmed response. You get locked into learning how to take stuff apart in order to put it back together again in front of your own eyes to see what it is. And, you know, the having that objectivity, having that information to just put in front of folks. Yeah, man, that is that is that is a really, really great way to be able to teach without, like I said, without bashing anybody over the head, without um, getting a programmed um, antagonistic response with having people go, well, what could it hurt for me to go ahead and take a look at, wow, wait, 20, what, what did you say it was? 28 billion, 30 billion dollars in, in the, in the stocks? Thir- uh, well, our original reporting was 32. Our recent updates show that it's about 34, 35 today. You know, well, maybe, uh, it, maybe it dropped this past week. I don't know. Yeah. A billion, <laughs> there, a billion here, a billion there. You start talking about yeah, money. Well, yeah. And there's a lot more. I mean, we're gonna, we're you know, we're 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 in the process of we're gonna show more too. I mean, best estimates are that the, the Mormon Church is likely worth two to three hundred billion dollars. We're gonna document as much of that yeah. as we can. Wow, that's got to be, man. Well, their their members are uniquely dedicated to their tithing. Uh, you know, I think they would rival almost any other religious group as far as their dedication and their commitment to paying 10% of their income. And most of them paying on their gross. I paid on my gross income, which I mean, I'm not a rich man. So, I, but for me, it was a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of money. And um, before we get done over here, um, Ryan, you said that uh, you were Mormon. Yep. You now being a, a former, a, a foreman, former yeah. Mormon. Uh, it's, it's, I'm stealing that from somebody else's podcast that they, that's, 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 that's a a thing. Um, but before we get out of here, uh, Tracy, I want to find out really quickly, uh, because I don't know that you had specifically mentioned, how did you end up getting involved with a a project like this? Why, how, how do we better put, what was it about this project in particular that tickled your, your funny bone and said, yeah, this is something I want to do. I mean, I did actually touch on that really early on when we started, um, just saying that I had Ethan on as a guest um, for Godless Bitches. I had not met Ethan before that. Um, he wasn't on tonight, but he's the one working with Ryan on this project. But uh, he was invited on Godless Bitches. That's where I met him. We had a super interesting show about the lawsuit and the take, you know, the takedown fight. Um, and so it was just, like I said, I saw him on and off in, in Austin at events. 
And then later, when they wanted to kick this project into overdrive and make it truth and transparency, Ethan reached out and asked if I would be willing to help support it. And I remembered that show because it was so interesting to me already. So when he said they needed help and support and would I, you know, be willing to go out there and, and just sort of front for them a little bit and, you know, see what I could do to help them get some publicity and some promotion. Um, I was just like, of course, you know, this is one of the most interesting shows I had done on Godless Pitches. So I, I would totally get behind this. Yeah. And we, um, you know, I mean, I think Tracy knows a little bit of this, but I don't know if she knows the extent. But, you know, we were actually seeking her out <laughs> before she really knew that we were seeking her out. Um, I've been a fan of Tracy for years, just as a viewer of the Atheist Experience. I never had any interactions with her, but she was always one of my favorite co-hosts. And when Ethan moved to Austin, I said, you have to go down and you have to meet Tracy Harris and Jen Peoples. You need to meet them and see if you can get on their shows. <laughs> so, <laughs> he did um, it. He, well, and Ethan had Ethan was not really a viewer of any of those like any of those shows. I mean, he was aware of them, but he wasn't a consumer of the like I was. And so, but uh, yeah, so he went down there and you know mi mixed and mingled, and our little our devious little plan. <laughs> worked out <laughs> i actually was not aware of this <laughs> yes. I, yeah, I, it's, I listen i have behold been... the truth comes free on our show <laughs> ah, we've discovered your devious little plan <laughs> well for for years i would tell ethan about things that i saw in atheist experience not just what tracy said but you know just things that i found interesting and compelling from the various hosts and and i would you know uh you know obviously matt would always have very compelling things that he would say and um and uh and both jen and um tracy always said things that you know really got me going and so i would always tell ethan about these things and then when he got this transfer through work to Austin. I said, this is it, man. Uh, you know, you've got to go down there. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Um, before I go ahead and, uh, and close this out properly, um, Ryan, since, uh, since you, uh, since you came in, uh, last, I'll give you a, a, an opportunity. Is there any last item that you wanted to, uh, say or, uh, mention to everybody before we go ahead and close out properly. And by the way, don't, don't you guys close out of the call when we get done after I done with the okay. stream, want to get, get all of your information to make sure everything's cool. Okay. Um, yeah, well, first of all, I really appreciate you guys having me on, um, and letting Tracy and I talk about the organization. Um, you know, we are, like she said, trying to raise awareness. So please go to our website, go to our Twitter, all that stuff, read about our, uh, you know, send me a message. If you have a question, I'm, I'm pretty accessible. Um, and you know, if anybody can throw a couple of dollars our way, you know, do it. We're a 501 C three. If you need tax deduction, it's there. We, I have, if you need the letter for the proof, I can send you the letter from the IRS, um, and all that kind of good stuff. Um, yeah. Any kind of support sharing our content, anything, just creating awareness is a good thing. So, uh, and yeah, I just appreciate you guys having us on and, and the opportunity to, to, to chat. And if you ever, you know, we'd love to come back on sometime in the future. If maybe there's, if we have a big story or something and you guys want to have us on and talk about it, you know, we'll try to make it work. Absolutely. Absolutely. No question whatsoever. And, um, 
Tracy, like I said, uh, it's it's been it's been far too long since we had the opportunity of having you back. Thank you. Uh, so, what last item would you like to uh, leave off for the folks? Like I said, truthandtransparency.org, and uh, Ryan mentioned they have the Twitter feed as well. Uh, be on the lookout for us, and if you can just, you know, if, if you go to that site, if you find articles you like, please feel free to share them out liberally, because the more we can get the word out, the better, um, and that donate button is right on top um, for people who have that extra discretionary income and think that it's a good cause. Um, you know, there's a lot of causes right now. And I know that there's a lot of competition for funding, um, so I get it. But we, like I said, it's just an individual, I guess, judgment about whether or not you think this is something that you could get behind. Fair enough. Thank you. Really do appreciate it. Um, for uh, uh, for for last uh, for last thought that I want to drop off for everybody, uh, I'll I'll throw you this. If the idea is that transparency is bad, yeah, you could go ahead and use the old expression, well, if you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to worry about. Uh, yeah, we, I don't necessarily subscribe to that because that, that puts people in a, in a really odd position. But like was said, if it's a group that you're putting money into, yeah, you should know what your money's going to. After all, it's just a big club when all is said and done. It's a giant book club. And, well, personally speaking, I miss Borders books. I don't want to have to go to just one group that's got one book and, and have to worry about what's going to be happening to the people that are there and give them money that I earned. I don't want to pay somebody for lawsuits settlement payments yes for me rc does not stand for roman catholic it's recovering catholic a lot of us are still going to be that way for a very very long time it's good to know what goes on behind the veil work for dorothy should be able to work for the rest of us so let's go ahead and say goodnight. Uh, all of you guys over there in the live chat, again, thank you very much. Felis, Trippin, Stephanie. Uh, and who was the other one that was over there? Re uh, Relay. Riley? You know what? I don't care. Whatever. Hi. Thanks for being with us tonight, guys. Seriously, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. And yeah, man, two hours can go really screaming past sometimes and it's it even surprises the hell out of me i'm looking at the i'm looking at the clock on on the time streaming and i'm just like wow really shit that went quick and surprisingly enough we have not dropped nearly enough f-bombs for a power of 10 episode you know what? maybe we'll have to do it next week Fuck the mother hey <laughs> hey we haven't hey to, to be fair to be fair to yeah be to be fair, fair uh, we haven't gotten to bridget's outro yet that's true that's true. We'll yeah. get to that. So, um, uh, like I was saying, Tracy, again, thank you so kindly. Uh, and, and you have yourself a great evening. Do not disconnect from the call when we're done. Well, <laughs> but thank you ever so much. Ryan, also, thank you very kindly. And uh, also, again, thank you so much for the, the job that you're doing. Yep. Thank you. Okay. Uh, 
Tech, um, what can I say? Yo! Uh, you have yourself a, a good sleep in, I hope, because Lord knows <laughs> we earned it. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for all the information you gave me earlier today. That That's that's going to be a lot of fun to, to hear about later. Yeah, it just... Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll we'll tell you guys about it after after we're off the air but uh you have yourself a good sleep man absolutely you guys have a great uh night and thanks for being on the show everybody it's fantastic you. having you here seriously it was a great show yeah. mm-hmm. bridget like i said um i i have you to thank for the most part for this because uh well it's 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 who you know and i i, I don't know anybody because i don't get it so her project when she was talking about it, it just sounded so interesting to me and i was like yeah we we need to talk about this and absolutely this and, is what she's doing now and it's important and a, and a good Thanks. call so, i'm really glad you guys are you know into it oh yeah <laughs> So, Bridget, you know what I'm going to go ahead and do? Yeah. Um, if you want to find me on Facebook, you can send me a friend request, Bridget Fit, or find me at my blog at BridgetFitch2112.wordpress.com. And fuck Mike Pence. There it is. Newt was there. <laughs> and Dallin, of course. See, I told you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And uh, yeah. Down th- of, of course, as always. Thank you, man. Yeah, no problem. Um, and of course, as you don't know, I am the curator of the audio version of this uh, podcast over at holycrapthevlogcast.com. I should have everything caught up by tomorrow, uh, hangover notwithstanding. <laughs> hey, I had a really good scotch ale tonight with dinner, and thankfully I was able to drive home in that snowstorm. But it's just kind of begging to be complimented with the rest of the rum that I have. So, you know how it is. Yes, sir. But thank you. Uh, as Ellen said, yes, you can go ahead and get the audio version, holycrapthevlogcast.com. All of our contact and social media information is over there. And, of course, the phone number, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail message, is 859-HCTV-554. 859-4288-554. Please, if you're going to call just to say, fuck you, uh, just don't use your actual phone number. Because, I mean, area code prefix, I can find out the city that you're coming from, you know, down there, Kentucky way. Nice try. No, I'm not going to call him back, but you know what? Yeah, whatever. And, of course, if you would like to send a couple bucks our way, yes, we have a Patreon, but don't send it to us. Send it to them. We don't need necessarily, uh, don't get me wrong, I mean, love to have a couple of dollars, but send it their way. They're they're doing something that's a hell of a lot more worthwhile than what we're doing. Because, I mean, please, like we're going to hit the national stage anytime soon? Come on. No. Help them out, because it's a good cause, and uh, I will, I will... I will see what I can do to help out. I ain't got a hell of a lot. Let's see what we can do. But in the meantime, I think now's uh, now's about as good a time as any. So, as always, until the next time we get together, everyone, next week, as always, I wish you all the peace I no longer have. I wish you the strength that I've learned. I wish you well. And, of course, my lady, 14 and a half years on and counting... I am still in love. Matene Fujin. I love you. I miss you. Dream of me. 
until the next time we get together, everyone, as always, good night. You've been listening to Holy Crap, the Vlogcast. Feel free to leave a comment at the show's website at holycrapthevlogcast.com, where you'll also find links to our Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter pages. Theme music is Twisted by Kevin McLeod, available at incompetech.com. And on behalf of all of us here, thank you for listening. <laughs>